Welcome in to an edition of the Back and Forth Podcast. For one, we sound a little bit different. We do. It sounds a little more clear. Yeah, we, we sound a little more clear. Um, we're, we're testing some new equipment, so um, should be interesting. Uh, hopefully this is a you know relative permanent setup for us. Um, hoping all goes well. But if you're new to the Back and Forth Podcast, welcome in. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G., and Joey, I mean, a lot's transpired since we last spoke to the audience. I mean. Yeah, I go to Oregon and just yeah. it seems like everything <laughs> wants to happen while I'm in Oregon. It was funny because uh, how much ESPN and Bleacher Report were posting about uh, Kyrie Irving. A buddy of mine who I was up in Oregon with, Jack, he was like, <laughs> every time he saw Kyrie on Instagram or Twitter, he'd be like, I think Kyrie wants a trade. Kyrie, I think Kyrie's requested a trade. Here, Kyrie's requested a trade or whatever. But he ended up staying or at least for another season uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, let's get right into it about what happened with Kyrie Irving this weekend. Yeah, let's waste no time about it. Kyrie Irving had the basketball world on pins and needles for a good 12 hours. Um, you know, it came out the he other... Had Laker fans on pins and needles, it seemed like. Oh, yeah. Well, he's had them on pins and needles. I mean, since the Lakers season ended, they've been... Di- yeah, they've this. been diagramming different trades, signing trades, all all sorts of things that none of which actually happened. But uh, it came out, I believe, what Monday morning that Kyrie Irving uh, was unsure about his future long term in Brooklyn. He wasn't sure if he was going to um, opt into his player option. That led to a lot of uh, speculation. Does he go to the uh, Lakers, which was a, a destination for him? Does he go to the Knicks? And about twelve ish hours later, he. Uh, I think relatively came to his senses and said, yeah, I'm going to take the $36.7 million that I'm due from the Brooklyn Nets and stay with Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, again, not to, because uh, a lot of people, a lot of other people were saying this, but not to, t- you know, pat me and Matt on the back here, but, I mean, we said this. Kyrie, yeah. the, the, the chance Kyrie Irving was going to go to the Lakers was pretty much zero. Um, again, even if... The Lakers, uh, um, the Lakers don't have cap space, and even if they, uh, um, they, they, they couldn't even pr- pursue him through sign and trade. There was just nothing in it for Brooklyn, um, and Kyrie Irving is not going to opt out of it and take. There, there was another story. I don't know who put this out there, and I don't know who even believed it. But there was a story that Kyrie Irving was going to opt out of the thirty-six million, and then um, sign the six million dollar mid-level exception with. The Los Angeles Lakers. Unless Kyrie Irving is an idiot, which he's not. You know, we give him a lot of crap on here, but Kyrie Irving is far from being an idiot. He can count. Um, yeah. I don't I don't I don't see why anyone in their right mind would do that. Um, lose out on thirty million dollars for a team that didn't even make the playoffs last year. Right. Like I still even if the Lakers add Kyrie Irving, I'm not quite sure they are championship contenders still. People are forgetting how tough the West is right now and how it's only gonna get better and how there are still a lot of good teams in the East. The Lakers are not where they were two years ago. They have a lot of ground to make up. Again, let me remind you, they were 33-49 and 49 last season and an 11th seed in the Western Conference. Adding Kyrie Irving and running it back with the same team is... Adding Kyrie Irving will change a whole lot. Not sure they make it to the finals. Um, but running it back with the same team and just throwing in a different coach, I don't think changes a whole lot from them. Um, so Kyrie Irving was never going to do that unless Kyrie Irving was on the back end of his career and he had never won a championship. But Kyrie Irving's already won a championship. He's already made 
an All-NBA team. He's already made an All-Star game. He's already won a gold medalist. He has really nothing to prove anymore um, for him to go do that. Um, so, again, you have no assets to acquire through acquire him through sign and trade. Uh, I don't think Kyrie Irving only wanted to go to the Lakers if he were to leave Brooklyn. There were better options out there for him. Uh, you look at Dallas, Miami, uh, even the Knicks could be considered a better option because the whole reason Kyrie Irving went to Brooklyn, uh, quote-unquote, was to be closer to home. So um, even the Knicks, at least in Kyrie Irving's standards, could be a better option because he gets to play in the mecca of basketball at Madison Square Garden. Uh, he gets to still play relatively close to home. And the Knicks aren't a terrible team as they were. Uh, a couple years ago, I mean, they made the playoffs a season ago, and they were 37-45 and 45 last year. So, again, they not are on the Brooklyn Nets level, obviously, but adding Kyrie Irving makes them a playoff team. So not a terrible situation. They've got new management up there. So not not not, not as bad as it would have been three or four years ago. Um, and, again, yeah, there was just better options out there, and the, the Nets were not going to trade Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook, THT, or Taylor Hornfucker, and a – 2026 first round pick um, just wasn't going to happen. There's no value in that uh, for Brooklyn, um, and Kyrie Irving is worth far more than those 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 three pieces put together. Um, Kyrie Irving is still, uh, when healthy and when he plays, uh, a top three point guard in this league. Uh, he sells tickets. Um, he's very entertaining to watch. Um, you got to give up a whole lot more than that for to to get Kyrie Irving. So. And teams like Dallas and Miami and New York have those assets to give up players to where a trade make a sign and trade makes sense for the Brooklyn Nets and a sign and trade just did not make sense for the Brooklyn Nets here. Um, so Kyrie Irving is returning to Brooklyn next year. Uh, how that plays out next season is remain to be seen. Um, he may get traded at the trade deadline still with with the Nets. That's like him getting traded still is not completely ruled out. It's just the whole possibility of him going to the Lakers is pretty much ruled out I mean he could still end up going to other teams if they're interested but the whole Lakers scenario is pretty much donezo now um unless he you wait till next free agency and he you know takes a major pay cut to go to the Lakers which I don't think is going to happen uh so he's returning to Brooklyn Russell Westbrook opts in his 47 million dollar option he's returning to the Lakers before we even get into that um I'll let Matt give his whole uh take here on the whole Kyrie Irving situation in this last week. Yeah, like Joey said, I mean, this is not surprising in the slightest. I would have been more shocked had he gone somewhere other than Brooklyn. Um, the fact that the fact that Laker fans were actually convinced Kyrie Irving was going to take $30 million less to play for a team so that he could reunite with LeBron, I, I, I said it even before all the speculation came through, are you sure that Laker team's even that much better than this year by adding Kyrie Irving? Because inevitably you're going to have to cut Russell Westbrook. Like, that's a non-negotiable if you're going to add Kyrie Irving. Like, Russ is going to have to go. And, I mean, unless the Lakers really want to hang on to both Russ and Kyrie, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. And, I mean, the, like we said, this is a Laker team that missed the playoffs. And now you, you potentially bring in Kyrie Irving, or at least, you know, for... A few hours thought they might be bringing in Kyrie Irving. Are we even that sure Kyrie Irving was going to be all that available to play for the Lakers? You know, he, he's been in and out of the lineup a lot. It was big reason why Brooklyn struggled as much as they did last year was they just didn't have a consistent Kyrie Irving. And when they had him, he was, you know, pretty good. But there were a lot of games they didn't have Kyrie Irving. There was a lot of games that he sat out, um, you know, in and out of the lineup 
caused a lot of inconsistency and uh, caused a lot of chemistry issues. And um, I, I think, I mean, the, the obvious is Kyrie Irving saw the, the money on the table and said, yeah, no, that's a lot of money to be passing up in one season. To go to a team that, you know, I would argue is probably a little bit worse than the Nets right now. Um, I think the Nets. I'd say way. I'd say way worse. Yeah, I mean, I was being you know somewhat yeah. nice, but uh, I mean, the Nets is still they're still a very good basketball team when everybody's in the lineup on a consistent basis. I mean, you, you're you're talking about Kyrie, who's one of the best uh, scoring point guards that the league has. He's one of the best um, playmakers the league has, and he's paired up alongside one of the most prolific scorers we've seen in basketball history, and Kevin Durant. I mean. You want to talk about pure scores of the basketball. Kevin Durant's probably easily top five of all time. I, you could make the argument for greatest scorer of all time. And I, I think Kyrie saw all that on the table on top of the fact that, like I said, he would have been he would have been making $30 million less to go to Los Angeles than to stay in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, I mean, yeah, I, I understand they got swept 4-0 in the first round. But, again, that a lot of that led to inconsistency. If that's a, a more consistent Brooklyn team, I guarantee they get out of the first round next year. And they yeah. probably get out of the second round if they play, if play their cards right. That could be a conference final team when, you know, fully healthy, fully in, in lineups on a consistent basis, not missing games for various reasons. And I, I think now, you know, it, it feels like Kyrie's going to be more bought in this year. Like I, 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 something just tells me he's going to be a little more bought in with the Brooklyn Nets. I, I think Kevin Durant, after this year, probably sat down with Kyrie and said, "You know, I, you know, essentially, I need you to win this championship. You know, if we're going to get out of the East and we're going to, you know, make a serious run at it, you know, you're going to have to be in the lineup pretty consistent. Um, not to mention New York, they've lifted a lot of their mandates when it came to the vaccine and all that. That was a big reason Kyrie missed a lot of time last year was because of the mandates um, and missing all that. So you look at all that and, you know, now all that seems to be past Kyrie. He, he seems to be past all the hurdles that he had put in front of himself. And I just hope that we get a consistent year of basketball from Kyrie Irving, because like I said, when he's on the court and he even showed it in spurts last year, He's a very good playmaker, and he's a very good basketball player. And when he's on the court, he makes the Nets better. It's just a matter of when and if he's on the court is the biggest thing with Kyrie. Yeah, um, but a player a player was on the court for the vast majority of last season. Unfortunately. West, yeah, unfortunately for Laker <laughs> fans. Uh, Russell Westbrook opting into his, uh, which was a no-brainer. I mean, I think. Um, yeah, again, he saw the money on the table. I think my table. dog could have told you that. He was going to opt into his, his $47 million player option, so. Uh, he's returning to the Lakers. Lakers are pretty much at this current moment stuck with the same team. Not a lot of assets to move around. Uh, they got a few free agents. Um, Kendrick Nunn also opting into his uh, player option. Um, I mean, we're, I'm not going to sit here and ask you if you're surprised by Russell Westbrook because I don't think no. any of us are. Um, but what 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 should the Lakers target this offseason at least to where – I don't. I don't know if title contending is really a realistic option for them right now, and it's not. It's not me and Matt being Laker haters here. I mean, a little bit. We'll be honest. A little bit yeah, of it is, bit, but I mean, not 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 fully. Um, what do they have to do to at least make themselves playoff contenders? Because right now, I think this team can sneak into the playoffs. I don't think they'll be eleventh place next year. I think LeBron will be a little more healthy. 
Um, AD may, hopefully can be a little more healthy for them. Um, I think right now they're a seventh seed in the West. I think they're a 45 and 37, 46 and 36 seventh seed team in the East, or excuse me, in the Western Conference right now. What can they do to at least get themselves to slip into the top five and, you know, maybe sneak into the Western Finals and maybe give the Warriors a run for their money? Because I don't think beating Golden State is realistic. I don't even know beating Memphis is realistic. No. If Memphis picks up Miles Bridges, which they are asleep, a dark horse team apparently, if Memphis picks up Miles Bridges, they may come out of the West next season, as crazy as that sounds. This team was 56-26 and 26 last year, and they took this Warriors team to six games in the second round without John Morant. They will be a very good team next year, so let's not write off the Grizzlies. A lot of people are writing off the Grizzlies and making the West between three teams. Um, Memphis, Memphis will be in that conversation. So what, what do the Lakers have to do? to contend with those teams i don't think there's really anything they can do at this moment i think they're kind of stuck in a hole um russ opting in hurts the lakers a lot uh, it hurts them because it really limits what they could have done this offseason they could have gone out and gotten some pretty notable role players had russ opted out and gone elsewhere um you're still tied up with LeBron, and you're still tied up with AD. So you have still three very big contracts on your payroll if you're the Lakers. And while, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm in favor of players obviously getting paid, that's also coming at the expense of the rest of the roster. Like, it, it basically forces a lot of guys to take veteran minimums. It, it forces guys to take considerable less money than what they could have gotten elsewhere uh, to play with the Lakers. And... It feels like this roster is just kind of stuck. And the best move the Lakers could have done, it, we mentioned it before, they they should have disassembled the roster outside of LeBron. Like, you can hang on to LeBron. I mean, if I was the Lakers, I would have been shopping AD and I would have been shopping Russ as much as I could have. Um, well, the problem with Russ is you're going to have to... I think a lot of what a lot of Lakers fans don't understand is that unless a team is desperate, they are going to have to give up something to get rid of Russ. Like, they're going to have to trade a first-round pick. It's going to have to be exactly what happened yesterday with the Knicks, that trade that happened with the Knicks. Yeah. They basically gave Alec Burks and Noel up for free so they could clear up cap space to sign uh, Jalen Brunson. Yeah. And I think that's what the Lakers are going to have to do with Westbrook. They're going to have to trade Westbrook and a couple of draft picks for a team to take him on. One trade I see happening where they don't have to do that is that they swap him for Gordon Hayward. But are you really getting better there? No. I mean, you're staying relatively the same. Yeah. You're adding a little more three-point shooting, but that's about it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's I, – I, I personally laugh at this because, again, it, it kind of does boil down to a little bit being a Laker hater. But the most considerable or most notable new move that the Lakers made this offseason was hiring Darvin Ham. Like that – you look at the Laker offseason moves, you're like, eh, hiring Darvin Ham, and that's it. Um, my Russ, favorite was that little interview they're like how are you going to use Westbrook and he's like he's going to be a slasher he's going to come like he was like Westbrook's going to do everything like we're going to he's going to post up and it was like right. everyone in the comments was like oh god he's already lost he does <laughs> yeah and I, I mean I, I hope it goes well for Darvin Ham this first year but right. he is coaching a team that has LeBron on it so I mean there's naturally some Buyer beware on that because, you know, LeBron has been known to run some head coaches through the ground, especially if he doesn't like them. You know, it, it's very easy for head coaches to find themselves out the door when it's a LeBron-led team 
Um, you know, just ask ask David Blatt about that. I mean, the the guy led the Cavs to the finals, and LeBron's like, "Yeah, I don't like you." Bye. Well, I'll defend LeBron. David Blatt was he froze up a lot in the huddles. Apparently, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have that for being a head coach. But I think Ty Lue was a good coach, and yeah, LeBron didn't really drive him out. But I feel like Ty Lue was a little bit limited uh, with LeBron. I mean, you kind of saw, seen what he's been able to do with the Clippers so far. Um, and Eric Spolstra, you know, was a great coach as well. And LeBron. I think LeBron tried. There were, yeah, there were rumors of it. You know, we'll never know, I guess, but there are rumors that LeBron tried to get rid of Spolstra, and Spolstra is a, another fantastic coach. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's been a few coaches, and even with GMs, like, if they're definitely a little bit limited because it is LeBron at the end of the day. Um, so um, they're kind of his his influence on whatever team he has is, is huge. And it, I think a lot of people don't understand that. When you get LeBron, I mean, you're kind of bringing on a whole lot here because – you know, you're not really – I feel like the Lakers, Cavs, and Heat never really made a move without informing him. Maybe the Heat because Pat Riley really just doesn't give a shit. But the Cavs and Lakers for sure um, did not do anything without informing LeBron. I can promise you that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it feels like, like I said, the Lakers are just kind of stuck where they're at. They're probably going to run back a similar roster to what they had last year. And they're probably one of the last few teams in the playoffs for the West. Like, that's – that's essentially where this team kind of stacks up at. Like, they're not going to make any notable noise in the Western Conference. It's not a team that's going to dethrone Golden State. It's not a team that's going to, you know, even give a team that's across the hallway from them a run for their money because that team is considerably better than what the Lakers have. And, um, you know, even beyond that, you know, if DeAndre Ayton comes back to Phoenix, that's a very, very good team in the Phoenix Sun. So... And we got the Memphis Grizzlies. And, I mean, it feels like the list goes on and on when it comes to teams that are very good in the Western Conference. The Lakers just aren't on that list right now. I mean, they're they're a first-round playoff team. And that's, you know, considered improvement from last year. But, again, I mean, by Lakers standards, if you're shooting for first-round playoff appearances, that tells me your standards have changed from where you guys have been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I think the Lakers got to do is, one, they got to dump off Nunn's contract, clear up a little room there. Kendrick um, Nunn. Yeah, Kendrick, the guy that played, like, two <laughs> games for them. They got to – it's only $5 million, but, hey, if I'd rather have – I mean, you could get a solid player that at least plays for you and at least fits your ski. Like, Kendrick Nunn does not fit them. That's the problem with the Lakers is that they have so many guys and so many names, but they do not complement or fit each other at all. They have to construct a roster at least where the team fits – um, and it's going to be really hard to do that because I'll tell you, Westbrook, AD, and LeBron do not fit each other. No. But at least get a supporting cast that can complement each other and play nice together. Um, so that's my first thing is I, you don't even have to get anything back from him. Just trade him for a second-round pick. Someone will take Kendrick Nunn. I don't think Kendrick Nunn's going to be as impossible to trade as Westbrook. Somebody will want Kendrick Nunn for a second-round pick or whatever. Um, I don't think that will be that hard to do. Um, they have a $6 million mid-level exception this offseason they can use so they can technically get a player worth six million dollars i do not know if this player will take that pay cut i mean i'm not sure what his value really is this year but one guy i think the lakers should really target is victor oladipo i don't think Vic would i mean maybe he's he's been playing with the minimum with the heat i believe the past couple of years he's been coming off the bench he had a very impressive playoff performance with them he's a good defender I feel like that's what the Lakers need. I would, I mean, I, I, 
I would fly LeBron to wherever Victor Oladipo is and convince him to take that. I don't know what his value is this offseason. He may be worth that. I'm not sure what his – again, I don't know what his value is. But that's what a guy that would be on the top of my list if I'm the Lakers. There's rumors they're going to want to get Buddy Heald. But, again, what do you have to get Buddy Heald? And again, I don't think Buddy Heald fits the Lakers at all. And he's not taking $6 million. Yeah, yeah he's not taking – well, they'd have to trade for him. But, like, again, right. we're going to throw out the same trade we always do here with the Lakers – Westbrook, THT, and a, like, no, it's not like I don't even think that's enough to go on and get Buddy Heald, to be honest with you. Because um, then the Pacers have to take on that contract and they're getting a 2026 first round pick out of it. Like, right. That's what, four years away? Exactly. Um, for a, a, a pretty decent, you know, three point shooter guy, they can get a lot more for Buddy Heald, I feel like. Um, but uh, yeah, Victor Oladipo makes sense for the Lakers. Uh, that, that's someone that they can have come off the bench, uh, provide some energy for them. Um, and that makes them, I feel like, better playoff contenders, and I feel like Victor Oladipo would do a lot of things. So I feel like they just need to go out and get guys like that um, and just really look for fit um, over big names in free agency this offseason. I feel like signing Malik Monk makes sense for them. Um, Malik Monk was a good player for them last year. I would resign Malik Monk. And they're already planning to do that, but Malik Monk, and Buddy Hill are the same player. Like, I don't know why you would go out and trade for Buddy Hill if you already have Malik Monk. Like, they don't need to do that. I feel like you need a shooting guard now off the bench that can defend. Um, the Lakers don't have a lot of defenders outside of Anthony Davis. They need to start prioritizing defense because that's what Boston did this year, and that's what Golden State did. Those two teams made the finals. Um, so prior to in the Heat, they were the third-best defensive team, and they were they took the, the Celtics to seven games and made the Eastern Finals. So... Um, three out of the four teams in the conference finals were top five in defense. So still in today's NBA, defense has a huge emphasis. Um, and, you know, you still get rewarded for playing defense. So the Lakers need to prioritize that uh, this offseason. You have two scorers in LeBron and AD. Um, you have a, a great shooter, I feel like, in Malik Monk. Go out and get defensive players now. Uh, Victor Ladipo can score. But he's also a great defender, and he proved that really a lot in that Eastern Final Series. So players like that, I feel like, make the most sense for the Lakers. Um, I'm not sure Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza and Kendrick Nunn make any sense for them because, again, those are just names, and they do not fit the Lakers whatsoever. Um, and they need to get a little bit of youth, I feel like, in that. In that, like, you have a good veteran leader in LeBron James. Like, I don't think you need a veteran leader in Trevor Ariza or in Carmelo Anthony, like, these guys are at the back end of their career and they're not really doing a whole lot anymore. Carmelo is a fantastic player and has had a great career, but I'm like, if I'm, if I'm picking between Carmelo and Victor Ladipo, I feel like that's pretty obvious on who I'm going to sign right now. So um, that's, that's what I think personally the Lakers should, should target. Yeah. Uh, so as we mentioned, Russ opting in for the Lakers, uh, not probably any more huge moves being made by the Lakers. I, I can imagine uh, given where they're at. But surprisingly enough, there, that wasn't the only news that made headlines. I think that day in L.A., I think th that might not John be. John Wall. John Wall coming to the, or expected to sign with the Clippers um, as soon as free agency opens. Uh, the, the Rockets buying out John Wall's contract, which, boy, I mean, talk about some finessing by the Clippers. Uh, people were rumoring that the Clippers should have got John Wall last year. It would have costed them like $40 million, over $40 million to do it. They waited a year. Houston paid out his contract. And now, you know, is John Wall going to get a max contract with the Clippers? I don't think so. No, I mean, he's getting a minimum probably. Or Yeah, he'll, he'll be a fair, you know, 
a fairly, I'm not sure, maybe minimum, maybe a little bit above the minimum, but he's not going to get an outrageous contract, yeah. I don't think. And as a Clipper fan, that was my biggest thing. It's like if the contract makes sense for John Wall and he and we know he can come back healthy, I like this move for the Clippers a lot because unlike what unlike you know Westbrook or a guy like Kyrie, John Wall I think fits the Clippers really well. John Wall is. He, he can score the basketball, but that's not necessarily his first instinct. His first instinct is a distributor. He's he's more comparable to like a Chris Paul, where he's looking to get teammates involved. And coming to a roster that has Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a very deep bench, I mean, th- this is a Clipper team that now probably goes, you know, with the starting five plus probably three or four off the bench that are going to see some considerable minutes night in and night out. John Wall is, I think, a perfect piece to distribute the basketball to Kawhi and PG, get them going. Um, you know, he can, like I said, he's not a great scorer by any means, but he's a decent enough scorer. He can go and put 15 on the board every night consistently. You know, I, I see John Wall, if he's healthy, he can probably be like a 15 and eight type of player, like get you about 15 points a game, eight or nine assists, give or take. Um, and maybe even more given the roster that the Clippers have where it's a lot of really good scores. You have, Kawhi that is seemingly the master of the mid-range game. You have PG that has expanded his game, um, really accepted, you know, the three-point role uh, in, in recent years and, and can still get to the basket. And you have a very, cap- you know, comparable, not comparable, capable head coach of in Ty Lue. You know, Ty Lue proved that, you know, he was able to, to coach that roster to a play-in spot Albeit he didn't have Kawhi Leonard last year. He had Paul George. I mean, he had Paul, he, he got Paul George for like ten games last year. Like, and it was all towards the back half of the year. You know, Paul George probably missed sixty to seventy games last year. So he was basically running with a roster pretty similar to if you remember the twenty nineteen Clippers. Like that's kind of what that roster felt like. Um, and an, another reason I like John Wall, especially now, is the Clippers didn't have to give up anybody. Like they they keep everybody. They just extend. Uh, yeah, they just extended Zubac uh, yesterday, three years, three, uh, $33 million. This feels like a team that, if, if I was going to point to a team that could go toe-to-toe with Golden State in the Western Conference, I would probably point to the Clippers because my biggest thing in the playoffs is your depth. How deep can you go into a rotation? And it feels like Golden State and L.A. are probably the two deepest teams right now on paper. I mean, we saw Golden State's depth show up big time in the finals. And now I, I think if Golden State and LA see each other in the, in the Western conference final that I have to imagine that's a seven game series. Yeah. Um, but the, the Clippers are just an extremely deep team right now. Um, get yeah, two good point. People don't give Reggie Jackson enough credit. Reggie Jackson, Reggie think, Jackson's probably coming off the bench now. I think he starts still. Um, I feel like John Wall has to earn that. Position back. Yeah, I mean, either or. I mean, you talk about John Wall yeah, coming I mean, off the it's, bench. It's, 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 it's perfect either way. But yeah. Reggie Jackson, I feel like, does not get enough credit um, for how good of a player he's been the last two seasons with the Clippers and how he's a near-perfect fit for them. Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, again, uh, is another great piece for them. Um, great 3-and-D player. Had that insane 38-point playoff game. Or it was like 40, actually. 40-point playoff game a couple years ago. Um, that's not the only thing he's accomplished in his career. But I'm just, you know... Uh, 
But I mean, yeah, and even Batum off the bench too. Like Nicholas Batum is a is a power forward who can you know really shoot the three ball for them. And again, you already got Kawhi Leonard and and Paul George, which is pretty self explanatory. About Zubak, who just signed the three year thirty three million dollar extension with them. So Marcus Morris, uh, Marcus Morris Senior, um, a great fantastic defensive player as well. And for the power forward position, he can really go out and shoot the three ball as well. I mean, he's more of a small four, but. You know, the NBA is kind of... He stretched out to yeah. where he can He's knock down the three consistently. Stretch forward pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good fit for the Clippers. Um, and I think that within due time, uh, John Wall it will get his groove back. Um, you know, he's had two seasons off pretty much. He just needs to get a little bit more healthy, uh, get more comfortable with today's pacing in the NBA. Um, and I would say, you know, through at least halfway through the season, he would start getting comfortable with himself again. And come playoff time, if he's healthy and this Clippers team is healthy, they're scary. Um, they're, they're a threat to the Warriors for sure. Uh, a little premature to go on and say they beat Golden State. And also the other way around, just to say Golden State beats the, the Clippers, considering we haven't seen this team play a game yet. Um, but if everything goes to plan, yeah, they're, they're, they're a threat to Golden State. They're a threat to Memphis. Um, uh, the, the West will be a, a real dogfight, I feel like, between those three teams. Um, people trying to make it between... Golden State, Dallas, and, and and the Lakers, but I think it's really going to be Clippers and Memphis and uh, Golden State. Um, and you even look at Dallas. Dallas is losing Jalen Brunson uh, to the Knicks. Um, he's expected to sign a 40-year, $110 million contract with New York. So, oh, boy. Uh, which we'll talk about here in about a second. So uh, a very good pickup for the Clippers. And um, really? I feel like they don't need to make any other moves this free agency no. uh, besides – I mean, if you wanted, like, a, another, not a star, but a decent player, maybe. But I like Terrence Mann. So, like, Terrence Mann's a valuable trade asset, and they can maybe probably get something valuable for him. But Terrence Mann's a great fit there, and I, I really like Terrence Mann. Unless you're training Terrence Mann to Boston, uh, I feel like he, he fits fits good with the Clippers, and uh, I really would like to see him stay there. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I don't. I think the Clippers are, are perfectly fine where they're at. If anything, maybe you extend some contracts, but you, I don't think you bring anything more in. Nah. Real quick, though, before we go to the Eastern Conference, what do you think DeAndre Ayton does with the Suns? Because he's kind of got them on a little bit of pins and needles, and he's a viable piece. Like, if you lose DeAndre Ayton, that's a big piece you're losing. If I'm DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton, I would go to Detroit. Ooh. I like what the Pistons are doing in the team they're building. Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham. Um, you have a great young point guard in Cade Cunningham. DeAndre Ayton is still fairly young. I think he's only 23 around that area. I would go to Detroit. Detroit seems like a perfect fit for him. Um, the Pistons are legit. Like The Pistons are, you know, are serious, and they, they want to be a contending in a, in, a, in a playoff team here in the near future. So... Uh, if it's to the point where it's the relationship is unrepairable in Phoenix, which is like what everyone is making it, this, which is everyone they're kind of making it seem, making it seem like that, I would go to Detroit. I feel like Detroit's the best fit for him. I don't think Atlanta makes much sense for him. Um, the Spurs seem like they're breaking their roster apart right now. Every player on their team, they're trying to trade DeAndre Murray. They're trying to trade Loney Walker. Not really stable there right now. I don't think I, the Spurs make sense for him. Um, Detroit. On the list of teams interested in him, Detroit makes the most sense for him. So, um, which really hurts the Suns. Uh, you lose a really good big man in DeAndre Ayton, and um, I don't know how that affects Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker in terms of their future there. But uh, yeah, I think Detroit makes the most perfect sense for him. Yeah, I I, I think, like I said, I I don't necessarily know where DeAndre Ayton goes if he leaves, but I I can tell you this much that if DeAndre Ayton leaves the Suns. 
I think it bumps the Suns out of contention for the West. Like I, I think I feel like they're going to be in the same tier that we talk about with Utah and Dallas. Like, I, I feel, feel like, like the, I feel like they've already missed their their chance. Even if he comes back, like they've they've missed their they've missed their little gap, their yeah. shot to do it. Yeah, they had yeah. those two years to do it, and they've missed it. Yeah, and I, I like the blanket of three teams that we mentioned. You know, the the Grizzlies, the Clippers, and the Golden State Warriors. Like it feels like one of those three is going to represent the West in the NBA Finals. It's just a matter of who. Um, all have very viable cases for sure. But like we said, Eastern Conference, uh, the, <laughs> the the Knicks, man. Uh, Knicks, man. The Knicks think they're getting the next um, Michael <laughs> Jordan or something here with Jalen Brunson. I, I, they're obsessed I, with this guy. I, Brunson's I, a fine player, but I mean, I love obsession with him, Jesus. I, I said it last night in the group chat. I was like, what kind of salary cap hell were the Knicks in? Because they had... they. Moving the pieces that they did last night wasn't only the the only pieces that they moved. They moved Kemba Walker on draft night. I was like, okay, so you move Kemba, you trade away Alec Burke and uh, Nerence Noel, and I think maybe a pick as well. So you basically trade three guys away for Jalen Brunson. Like, you, if you were in a normal situation as a GM, moving Kemba Walker would have been enough to get Jalen Brunson in. Like, because I, I don't know what Kemba's contract looked like. It was two years, nineteen million. Okay, so it was a little bit. I, I was thinking Kemba was on a massive deal. He was, but the Thunder bought him out when Boston traded him to Oklahoma City for Al Horford. So we got bought out in OKC, um, and then the Knicks signed him for two two years, nineteen million. Yeah. So you you move Kemba Walker. You you're essentially flipping Kemba Walker, Alec Burke, and Norris Noel for Jalen Brunson, who. I mean, to Jalen Brunson's credit, he had a great year this year. There's a reason I said he had a great year this year. Like, this was the year that he kind of emerged onto the scene. Uh, we hadn't really seen much outside of this year from Jalen Brunson. I've seen flashes, but, like, nothing. Nothing, to, nothing on this level, no. Yeah, and for the Knicks to now be taking a massive swing, I mean, $110 million over the next five years for a guy that, like we said, had a great year this year. We've seen the story before, though. Guys have great years, and then they followed up the next year with so-so years. Like they're, they, they're usually shells of what they were the year before, particularly when it's a breakout year. And to tell the truth, Emmanuel Quickly, their current backup point guard or starting point guard, this I'm not, I'm not sure what the rotation was this year, is a great player. Um, and I feel like he has a, a really good future in the NBA, and I'm not sure... Brunson is that much of an upgrade from him, to be quite honest with you. Relatively think, the same. I think quickly, given two years, could be a very decent player, maybe even better than Jalen Brunson. So I'm not quite sure that is a the massive upgrade that they're making it seem to be. Um, again, Brunson's a great player. Um, you know, he has a winning attitude, and he definitely will make uh, the Knicks a little bit better here. But it just doesn't to give him that kind of money. And to go out of your way, clearing up all this cap space for him, um, when next year's free agency class will have a lot of big names in it, and the following free agency class will have the same thing, uh, just does not make a lot of sense for New York. And the Knicks continuously seem to make foolish decisions. Um, this is one of the lesser ones because Brunson is, is, is a, a decent player, but just the pay he's getting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, unless New York knows something we don't, uh, yeah, it's, it's fairly little ridiculous to give a guy who averaged 16 points and four assists hundred and ten million dollars uh so we'll see how he plays with new york um i like the little group they're establishing with him and rj barrett and 
Julius Randle, uh, they could, they should be able to get into the play-in with that roster, you would think. But, um, you know, I, I re- that kind of just tells you that Emmanuel quickly is going to be traded, I feel like, and they're going to use him as a, as a trade piece. And the same thing with Obi Toppin uh, to go out and get another star maybe. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I really agree with um, the Jalen Brunson contract. And let's not forget, they gave Evan Fournier uh, an insane deal last year too. What was it, like four years, 78? Five seventy-seven million somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. He averaged eleven points a game last year. Like you're 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 cashing out seventy-five million dollars here for a guy who's averaging eleven points a game. So they gave an extremely bad contract to Fournier last season, um, and they could be very well doing the same thing here with Jalen Brunson. I don't think Jalen Brunson will average eleven points a game, but he will never reach um, a stat line where you can justify his current his current his current pay. I think. Yeah, it, it feels like the Knicks aren't going to be good anytime soon. Like, if I were the Knicks in, in kind of looking down the road two or three, maybe four years from now, I I think, I mean, New York fans aren't going to like this, but they, they might not have a choice. Like, if I was the Knicks front office before the Jalen Brunson move, I would have looked at next year, like you said, next year's free agency class, the year after free agency class, and said, okay, it's going to stink for this year, but let's punt on the year and make sure we have a bunch of cap space open for next offseason and the offseason after. Because then, you know, while yes, we don't have a, a very attractive piece um, that would attract free agents, we have the location, and that being New York. Like, we, we have a big market to offer to free agents. We have a ton of cap space to offer. You know, even if it means sacrificing this upcoming season, you kind of, if you were the, if I was the Knicks, I would have been game planning for next off season and maybe the year after um, to land one or two really big stars. And, you know, not to say Jalen Brunson's not going to be a star, but I, I don't think he's worth $110 million right now. I, I think he's, he's probably, not, he's not going to be an all-star anytime soon. I think, you know, if you wanted to pay Jalen Brunson, you probably look in the neighborhood of maybe 75 to $80 million, but I, I don't think 110 over five years is very, reasonable given you know he's not going to fill a max slot where you could go out and maybe next offseason in a loaded free agency class you could go get one guy or two guys that could fill out max slots you know that that's the thing is the, the Knicks are still very young so they have a lot of young pieces and you bring in one or two superstars like that is a very good Knicks team but yeah. it feels like the Knicks got impatient and it feels like they just had to get somebody, and they looked down the list and they said, oh, Jalen Brunson's available, like, let's go get him. So it feels like they got pretty trigger-happy, and if, if I was the Knicks front office, you know, I get the fans aren't going to necessarily like the quote-unquote tanking for this year, but I would have looked at them and said, name me a year that you've been actually relevant. Like Last season, that's about it. Yeah, exactly. What, and that was like 40, it was 40 and 32, and they got... A gentleman sweep in the first round by the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, you you have to be okay if you're a Knicks fan with, you know, punting on a year. If it means you prop, you might go get a a franchise changing superstar or two in the next couple off seasons that are going to make you legitimate cont- uh, title contenders. And it it feels like, and it's not necessarily just New York fan base. I mean, it's a lot of fan bases. They get very trigger happy. I mean, we. We see it here firsthand in, in Vegas with a lot of the sports teams. You know, the fans get restless and, you know, they want change immediately. And 
it, it kind of forces franchises into being trigger happy. And it feels like that's what happened with the Knicks is they saw Jalen Brunson was available. They said, okay, we're going to make a big splash. We're going to pay him a ton of money. We're going to advertise him to be this great, you know, gen, you know, generational franchise changing player. And I mean, to be honest, Jalen Brunson on most teams is probably a second to third option. Like right. when it comes to scoring the basketball, he's not usually every team's first scoring option. He'll be the New York's first scoring option, but I mean, like on Dallas, there's a reason he was the second scoring option because you're not going to be that first scoring option over Luca. And I mean, we could also see this happen too, where we see Jalen Brunson take a significant uh, dip in production when it comes to scoring the basketball, because we've seen guys where they become or where they start as the second or third option on a team and they flourish in that role. Now they're the main scoring option. They, they draw more of the defense and inevitably their productions, you know, dips off. They, they go from 16 points a game to, 10 or 11 points a game. And I, I, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say that's going to happen to Jalen Brunson, but I could see it happening, especially coming from being that second guy in Dallas to now the main guy in New York. Yeah. Um, again, just does not make a whole lot of sense for the Knicks here. Um, and, and, and Brunson also is going to have to have a, a little bit of a culture shock or whenever he gets to New York, because, you know, RJ Barrett is not, uh, is not Luka Doncic. No. Julius Randle is not Luka Doncic. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying all the success is because of Luka Doncic, but, you know, as a point guard, having Luka Doncic as your small forward or your shooting guard, it makes your life a whole lot easier. Um, and I can't say the same thing for R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. They may make his life harder, in fact. So yeah, um, we'll see if he can make those guys better or not. Um, and, you know, me and Matt right right away will be eating our own words up if if, if Brunson can prove uh, that he's a pretty – pretty productive player and he can fit with uh he is a productive player but worth that kind of pay grade and he truly makes the knicks uh a much better team and he makes those guys i feel like which are two key players for them a whole lot better um and i don't think he can do that yeah um like i said having luca as your guy definitely makes your life easier so we'll see what he can do with those two um but a team that won a championship they did not in the NBA. No. In the NHL. So yeah. something the Knicks will not get anywhere close to for, I mean, maybe, I think, me and Matt's lifetime. I mean, maybe the Knicks decide they want to start playing hockey. Like, Even if they did, I don't think they... Can you imagine Spike Lee at a hockey game? Even the Rangers, man. The Rangers <laughs> had it, and then they blew it. So, yeah. um, But the, we have a new champion in the NHL, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, finally get it done. Uh, they look like they were going to be solid contenders last year. They're losing seven games. In the second round, they come back this year and they beat the defending champs in a six-game series. Get it done on the road in Tampa. Um, everything goes perfect except for the little dent they put in the Stanley Cup, so they're gonna have to fix that. But oops, oops, yeah, I don't think they care too much about that. Uh, but the I don't I, is this their first Stanley Cup? No, not their first. No, I, th I think they've had at least one, if not more. Yeah, so they, they at least bring the Stanley Cup back to Denver, um, make Denver um, a city of champions once again. I believe their first championship since. The Broncos, right? It's got to be, yeah. The Rockies haven't won anything that no. So I, it has to be the Broncos the year they beat the Panthers. Yeah. Um. So first first championship there, and probably the the I don't think the Broncos are going to win anything in in the near future either. So Avalanche get it done in six games against Tampa. Uh, they are your new 2022 Stanley Cup champions, Matt. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll. I'll be perfectly honest. I was wrong about the series. I thought 
we would see Tampa win the series. I thought their playoff pedigree would uh, come into to factor. And, you know, it was enough to get to six games. But I think the faster, the better, the quicker, whatever adjective you want to use, team was Colorado. Like, Colorado, nobody was going to touch Colorado. Uh, I, I said it probably even some point during the regular season. I was at, um, I think it was a, a Colorado-Vegas Gold Knights game. Um, over at T-Mobile, and I, I saw I, they were passing around the um, the roster card, like the lineup card, and I, I looked at their first line, and I stopped, and I said, this has to be the best first line that I have ever seen assembled in hockey. Like, I mean, you have Landeskog, McKinnon, McCarr. I mean, it felt like there wasn't a weak piece on that front on that first line, and they still went deep into the second and third line. So, I mean, when we talk about depth, we talk about roster – Colorado in the league was probably the most deep, the fastest, and the most skilled. And there's there's a reason, you know, for a, a while in that regular season, we were seeing Colorado put up six, seven, eight goals a game sometimes because that's just the firepower they, they could score with, and they scored very quickly. Um, they played with a lot of pace, and they're very well coached. And I, I think – Going into next season, you know, Colorado is going to be a team to pay attention to in the Western Conference. Um, you know, right now, you know, I, I think that Colorado would beat Vegas in a, in a series. As much as VGK fans may not want to hear that, it's just the, the state of where it's at. You know, um, I, I get Vegas brought in a new coach. But again, if Colorado brings back even, you know, 90% of the roster they had this year, if they bring that back next year, they're going to be a very dangerous team. And you could very easily make the conversation and the argument that Colorado could repeat next year because they are just, they, they play so fast and they play a style that is very tough to defend and it's very tough to play with. So I think, you know, if Colorado looks anything like they did this year going into next year, maybe even the year after, they're going to be a problem in the league for a couple years to come at least. Yeah, I agree with Matt here. Um, at least in the Western Conference uh, for the next two years, they're going to be a, a tough team to get over. Uh, they're going to be the hump that a lot of teams are going to have to get over. And I think the team that's the biggest threat to them is Edmonton. But yeah. even Edmonton got swept by them. Um, so um, and, and I think the Kings can also be a, a pretty uh, threatening team. I mean, they were kind of like in a little bit of a rebuilding mode and – they had a very surprising playoff run this year, despite the hate for L.A. teams here, with the exception <laughs> of the Clippers here. Um, I'm going to give uh, the Kings a lot of credit. Um, they've kind of – their rebuild lasted a year, and they, they put up a very good seven-game series with the Edmonton Oilers, who made the conference finals. So those two teams, I think, maybe down the line could get the Avalanche a run for their money or even maybe even going into the next season. But I think the West will be controlled by the Avalanche if they can just get the, the main guys they need to come back. Um, they'll be a very good team. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, ran a little bit longer today than we normally do, but that is because you we had, what, a week and a half off or so? Week and a half, yeah, about, about a week. About a week or yeah, so. Yeah, I think our last episode was last Wednesday, actually. So Yeah, so pretty much a week on the dot. Uh, we've got episodes scheduled for you guys to come out today, tomorrow, and Friday this week. And uh, then looking into next week, you know, we'll have your, your normal three scheduled um, or three episodes scheduled for that. Um, just kind of giving you guys a little bit of a lookout. 
for that, again, we appreciate you guys tuning in to the Back and Forth Podcast. We've got plenty of news to get to tomorrow and Friday to close out the week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.